Well, hello everyone, and welcome to another Devo with Patrick and Jamie. Patrick, how you doing today? Oh, Sunday. It's great. Happy Sunday, everyone. Yeah? Yeah, I'm doing good. Happy Sunday. If you're listening to this on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, some people don't listen to it on Sunday. Some listen to it on, I don't know, like a Tuesday or a Thursday or... Right. You know, a little uh, uh, BTS for you. For us right now, it's actually Tuesday. So... There you go. So That's we are right. pretending. Behind the scenes. Yeah. That took me really long <laughs> to understand what BTS was, by the way. There you go. Like, what is he speaking in code or something? No, it's all right. Uh, I'm doing well. Jamie, how are you doing? Doing okay. You know, I, I ate some uh, ate some lunch, feeling strong, you know, ready to go. What, uh, what passage are we in today, Pat? Well, it's Sunday, and Sunday means... Uh, we are in the Psalms. However, this is the last Sunday that we're actually going to be in the Psalms. So some of you might be happy about that. Some of you might be sad. But uh, this is um, <laughs> the last Sunday for a while that we are going to go over the Psalms. And today we are in Psalm 133. 133. A Psalm. And it is, it's not a long Psalm, is it? No, this is my, uh, this might be, you know... <laughs> The fastest devotional we ever do. <laughs> yeah, it'll be over in like three minutes and we'll be done. No. No, uh, Psalm 133, you're right. Is It is only three verses, uh, but there's a lot packed in here. So a lot to discuss, a lot to think about. And uh, I'll go ahead and read it. How good and pleasant is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And it's so nice that the word of the Lord sometimes can be really long, but sometimes can be three verses. Yeah. Sometimes even like something really, really short can be helpful. Or sometimes a big, long, giant story can also be helpful. Let's just unpack this. I mean, there's a lot to discuss. Yeah. Verse one. Can I just first real quick before we get into this? This is weird, right? This is a weird psalm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is a little strange. <laughs> it's a little out there. Uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's so, the, so good. The imagery I, is weird. I just weird. want to acknowledge that. Yeah, sometimes we, we come to scripture and we're like, oh, this is uh, very profound and deep and meaningful. And it's great for today and God is speaking through it. And no one ever stops and says, wait a minute, this is weird. <laughs> like, this is a little bit of weird imagery. I don't know how I feel talking about Aaron's beard <laughs> and oil running down Aaron's beard. That just sounds weird to me. <laughs> Right? Am I right? Yeah, you're right. That is a little different, a little weird. But let's uh, okay. Let's take a break from the weirdness. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> Let, so, sorry, let's, sorry. Let's go I back straight to weird. Yeah, let's go back to verse one, which isn't so weird. Which is, I think is actually very beautiful. How good and pleasant is it? How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. I don't know what you all, what else there is to say. I think that's just straight up true. Yeah. Right? How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Yeah, a lot of times I think of unity as being like total peacefulness. And I think that unity actually can encompass some chaos. 
I don't think unity needs to be this really uh, calm and somber spiritual way of living. Like everyone that is around you is always in a like mode of prayer. I think unity means like you're living with people and you're having fun and there might be some crazy times, but mostly like not no conflict between certain people. Yeah. Unity is a really hard thing to, uh, to create, you know, it's like, how do you make unity happen? You know, it's one of those things that I feel like we, at some point we're able to, uh, experience unity. We're able to identify it when we see it, but it's really hard to like, to conjure it up, to make it happen. But you know, like th I think about youth group, people that show up to youth group, we're in a form of unity. I, I like the beginning, this first verse, right? How good and pleasant. Uh, we think about the two words, good and pleasant. I had to look them up, you know, my little app or whatever, uh, just to get an idea like, well, what's the difference between these two words? Like the first word is like the most basic word in Hebrew for good. So like good or merry or pleasant or desirable or usable or efficient or friendly or kind or like morally good. Like those are all ways that that word can be translated. So, uh, and also pleasant. Pleasant can be like happiness, uh, lovely, something that's delightful. When the psalmist, especially in scripture, when things are repeated, when it has like the same idea, but twice, it, it intensifies it. It makes it that much like more important. So it's not just saying like living together in unity is good. It's like, this is like super, super, super good. This is like the best of the best. Now, back in the day, it says God's people, right? So when this was written, God's people... And there's a couple, this is like a side note. There's a couple uh, thoughts on when this was written. Some would say it was written in the time of King David, which uh, just kind of generally you think 800,000 years before Jesus would be the King David time. And that's when Jerusalem is established. And, and that's kind of just give you a little like history on that. But other people would think that it was written maybe sort of thinking about David in the time of the exile, uh, which is hundreds of years later. But in either of those two cases, what's, what's similar in both is that God's people was a very specific group of people. And it was a people group that had an ethnic identity. So they knew who each other were. Uh, they were all related and could trace their lineage back to basically their slavery in Egypt and even a little before that. Uh, so these people were all, you know, sons of, of Abraham. And the, as we would say, the Jewish people, you know, today is how we would say that. So when they say God's people, they actually mean like this group of people who are following God, who are what it's called the chosen people. Now, we don't really read it that same way today, right? People who follow and decide that they want to follow Jesus can be from every uh, tongue and tribe and nation. Right. It uh, doesn't matter who your grandparents, grandparents, grandparents were. Doesn't matter, you know, who you're related to. Doesn't matter what your skin color is. Doesn't matter uh, how tall or short you are. Um, doesn't matter your DNA, right? It, it's, it's when people decide that they want to follow God uh, and they choose to do that um, and God has put that call in their life, then you're God's people. You're a part of that team. Yeah, definitely. You and I, we're part of that that people. We're on God's team. So we have to live in unity. So Patrick, if you were going to describe how good it is to live in unity, if I was to say like, Patrick, tell me, man, just tell me, like, give me an example. 
How good is it to live in unity with your brothers and sisters? You're like Christian brothers and sisters. What what would you say? What would be your, you know, analogy you would use? Would you say like, oh, it's as good as the perfect day surfing or it's as good as uh, is it is good? Like, what would be your analogy? I don't know if I could compare it to anything because um, living in unity with my brothers and sisters in Christ is such a a big thing on its own. It's almost uncomparable, you know, being in um, community with people who all um, believe the same uh, scriptures as I do uh, and being able to learn from those people, but also like learn, educate those people as well, like learn with them together, all enter into like uh, into growing in our relationship with Christ as individuals. That's like, that's amazing. That's like what it's all about uh, being in community. So I think just explaining that concept to people is how I would really describe being in unity. I don't know. I don't think I can compare it to anything because I can't think of anything that really encompasses true unity, how I experience it in the Christian community. Well, I can. <laughs> I think it's just like oil running down Aaron's beard. Oh, okay. Let's let's dive into the weird. <laughs> let's look at verse two. <laughs> That's what I want to do. I want to dive into the weird, Pat. Yeah, okay. Uh, it is like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. Okay, Jamie, tell me what you th- think about this. <laughs> I think it is weird. I think it's fully weird. Um, okay, so... <laughs> We got to get into this whole idea of of anointing, right? So, like, we don't do this anymore. If there's, like, a big symbolic action happening in someone's life, you don't go up to them and dump oil on them. That's not a normal thing. That's not a welcome thing. That's not, like, even considered a good thing. That would be considered, like, being mean to someone, right? Mm-hmm. To dump something on top of their head. <laughs> uh, however, that's not the case back then. Back in this time, like even David, if you think of who this this psalm is attributed to, uh, David was anointed several times uh, when he was pronounced to be king. And that was something you're supposed to do. It was a symbolic act that God had given you blessing. So like to be anointed would be like God has now given his blessing on you. You are now owned by God. And so there's a symbolic act of that that would happen. Now, it's it's interesting here. There's this idea of oil that is used in this, and it's precious, it's special. It's not like, you know, someone went and grabbed like a jar of olive oil and just dumped it on someone. This would be something that was like extra valuable. And uh, it it's poured, so we see in this verse, it's poured on Aaron's head. And head would be like the top most of him is kind of the way this is referred to. So it's poured all the way on top of his head and it runs down, gets into the guy's beard, which I have a beard and I don't like things getting into my beard. <laughs> I was about to say, it, they had have to dump an awful lot of oil for it to really start running down to the beard and then to like the collar of his robe. You're not talking like yeah. a little splash of oil or, you know, a few drops. This is like a... Uh, garden this hose of lot. oil. <laughs> this is a lot of oil. This is a garden hose of oil. And it goes down the beard. It also runs down uh, the collar of his robe. 
And there's even some, I, I know, I, I did read a little bit on this beforehand. I know we don't normally do that, but um, I read just kind of a little tiny commentary thing on this that was talking about how the the phrase for the collar of his robe could also could also refer to like an opening of the garment, which could actually mean like it could have even gone further down into his clothes. Like this could have been oil running down from the top of his head all the way down to his toes. Head to toes. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Pat, just just give us an estimate. How much oil do you think it would take for someone to dump this on your head where it would not just go in your hair, in your beard, down into your shirt, but like head to toe? How much oil do you think that would take? I would say one to three gallons. That's a lot of oil. I would say probably at least a gallon, if not a little bit more. That's a, that's a lot of oil. Here's, what, here's, here's where we got to like kind of try to understand maybe what's going on here. So Aaron, we've talked about oil and anointing. Aaron was a special person in the history of Israel. And I don't know uh, <clears throat> how much you remember. If you've ever watched The Prince of Egypt, uh, which is like, I think it's Disney's version of uh, the story of Exodus. You have Moses, who's the guy who's in charge of leading God's people out of Egypt. But kind of his right-hand man is this guy named Aaron. And Aaron's job was to really actually be the one who would speak to the people because he was better at speaking. And Moses actually, it, it was said that Moses, and Moses even told this to God, Moses is like, I'm not good at speaking. I am not a public speaker. Uh, I, I can't put words together well. So Moses would not be a podcaster. Moses would not be a preacher. He just wasn't good at it. And so God was like, all right, you can use Aaron. And then Aaron ended up having this job of being the first high priest. And so, you know, when we think of a priest uh, these days, we usually think of a Catholic guy who wears a collar, uh, you know, the little white clerical collar, or who like presides over doing masses. Or another way to think of a priest is, is the guy who you'd go to confession with in like a booth. You've probably all seen that in movies. When someone goes into a confessional booth and they they confess something and the priest uh, who's in there is, you know, kind of working on behalf of them. So Aaron was sort of like the first priest, uh, and the first high priest, and he was a Levite, which is one of the tribes. And so from that point on, kind of these Levites were, were this priestly cl class of people who would take care of all this, this business. So what's interesting about this passage is that it's being compared Aaron and the work that Aaron's doing is being compared to this idea of people living together in unity. And I love that because Aaron is sort of symbolic of church, of going to church because he's the priestly guy. Yeah. Now Aaron screwed up. He wasn't a perfect guy. We got to know that right out of the gate. Aaron was the one who the people, when Moses went up the mountain to get the 10 commandments uh, and to talk to God, the people got anxious and they're like, what do we do now? And Aaron ended up leading them in making the golden calf where they took a bunch of gold and turned it into a calf. And so like Moses was gone for, you know, a, a little bit of time and he comes back down the mountain and like the people are already worshiping a false God. And Aaron was the one who's in charge of that. Like, oops, you know, like <laughs> if, you're, yeah. if you're a pastor or a priest, kind of like job number one, make sure people are worshiping the right God. That might be like job number one, you know? Yeah, you know, we don't worry about giving the best sermon ever in the history of the world. Maybe job one would be like, just make sure they're worshiping the right God and they're not going astray. 
so Aaron's like first assignment out in the wilderness, he kind of screwed up. So he's not perfect, but God does use him and God does use imperfect people. Yeah. Um, so God's anointing, you have this oil coming over, over Aaron. God's anointing is showing that God is working in this guy's life, even in spite of his own challenges. And it's kind of symbolic that God is working through the church and he's doing that to bring people to himself, which is pretty cool. I did a little uh, looking into this passage as well. And it, there's a reference, this reference running down Aaron's beard down onto the collar of his robe is referencing God's instructions to Moses in Exodus 29. And it says in verse 21, take some of the anointing oil and sprinkle it on Aaron and his garments and on his sons and their garments, then he and his sons and all their garments will be consecrated. So they'll be considered holy. So, you know, the oil getting on his clothing was actually a big deal too, because it meant like those clothes were almost like blessed by God. Uh, so there's actually, it's not just describing how much oil was actually used. It's actually describing part of the the blessing, the anointing, um, process itself. And that's cool that God is the one who, you know, ordered that this would happen and that, you know, now we have a priestly class of people who are set apart to do the work of the church, uh, and to help people. Now, if you think about what a priest does, and this is like a big, a big deal is a priest sort of acts as like an intermediary between God and people, which in our faith, this is Presbyterian faith we and Reformed faith, we, we generally believe in what's called the priesthood of all believers, meaning that everyone who believes in Jesus, uh, everyone who follows the Lord is like a priest in that we can intercede uh, or, or kind of get in between other people to, to help between them and God. And that kind of sounds a little complicated, but um, Jesus actually does tell us whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And he says that in the context of forgiving people. So like when you have conflict with someone uh, or when you have like a Christian brother and you're not getting along, but you're willing to just say, you know what? I just forgive you that when we do that, it's almost like we're acting like a priest. We are taking sort of the sins of the situation and we're able to uh, make atonement for them by providing forgiveness. So if you think about Jesus, Jesus said this a lot. This is like a big deal was forgive each other, right? Mm -hmm. Forgive as I have forgiven you. Right. Um, Jesus continually tells us uh, that in the gospels, that we need to be people who live lives of forgiving each other. And the reason is because that's what his mission was was to forgive us. So Aaron is kind of symbolic of this idea of the high priest because the high priest would have to make sacrifices on behalf of the people. Mm -hmm. So the high priest was sort of stand in the gap, so to speak, for the entire nation. And so this is like a cool thing where we see Aaron, who is the high priest who's standing in the gap for the whole nation. He's doing so, so that the people would be able to have this relationship with God that God would still be their people um, in spite of all their mistakes. So moving on to verse three, to wrap this one up, verse three says, it is as if the dew of Hermon was falling on Mount Zion for the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Yeah. The dew of Hermon 
falling on Mount Zion. Now, I learned this. I didn't pay attention to this till someone said it. And someone was saying, oh, yeah, Mount Hermon and Zion are not like next to each other. It's like two different kind of landscapes. So you think of like the dew coming from one area and then falling all the way to the other. Sort of like it's it's God's blessing. God's anointing is kind of going all out to every area. Mm-hmm. And then they were talking about dew. And I don't know, Pat, a, a few weeks ago I was camping, uh, which I know you like to do that. Yeah. Um, I know you have done that quite a few times. And I woke up in the morning and my initial thought was, man, I'm going to get up early, uh, pack this tent up real quick so that I can get out of here. You know, I don't have to like wait. But I went outside and I didn't put the rain fly on the tent and the tent was soaked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was like a summer day. It wasn't even, didn't even feel that humid outside. It just like all that dew, man. It was amazing. So I took a towel and I started toweling off all the dew. And like the towel I used was like drenched. I could like wring water out of it. There was so much dew. Yeah, that's like a result of just the fog. And especially where we live in uh, North San Diego County, when the inland area, the desert heats up too quickly, it will actually suck moisture from the ocean and that's what causes fog. So it's a a regular occurrence around where we are. uh, And it's just, it, it will leave things totally soaked way more than you would ever expect. As that was happening, I was thinking, man, how cool would it be Or I was just thinking, like, if I didn't have, you know, a bunch of bottles of water with me uh, or there wasn't, you know, like plumbing, um, how useful would it be in the morning to get up and realize, oh, here's all this water that's just been provided. Right. Um, Kind of a cool thing, you know. Yeah. And and I look at this verse and I think, man, you know, the dew is such a blessing, um, that morning dew for, for God's people. And it's a blessing, I think, for... For the Lord, uh, for the Lord's people, when we live together, when we're in unity. So this last half of this verse, I think, is so key to this whole passage because we talked about Mount Hermon, but then Mount Zion, and in Zion, uh, if you pay attention or whatever, look in Scripture, you see kind of Mount uh, Zion as being Jerusalem, the place where David established his kingdom but also the place where Jesus uh, was killed. Um, And so Zion is kind of this larger idea of the place of God's people, but it also is very much um, considered, you know, very geographical actual location. So this next line says, for there, and we're referring to Mount Zion, right? Uh, The Lord bestows, so God gives his blessing, And then it says, even life forevermore. When I think about this, man, I think, what is the best gift that God gives us? Well, the best gift that God gave us was his son, Jesus, who died on the cross on Mount Zion or in Jerusalem and who died. Why? So that we could have life forevermore. And we know that we can have life forevermore because he didn't stay dead. He had life forevermore. Uh, which is so cool. So this is before, this was written, right? Long before Jesus ever made a picture on the scene, but here we can see Christ in this passage. Jesus was also mentioned as the great high priest, kind of like we're talking about Aaron as being the great high priest, but it was actually Jesus who uh, we find out later is considered the great high priest because he is the one who who stood between God and, 
uh, and us so that we could have relationship with God. Amen. Thanks for uh, checking out this devotional. We hope you have a great rest of your day.